powerful time of worship. But the scripture says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If you believe it, say amen. Do you feel that liberty today, that freedom that only comes um, with the power of God, the presence of God? What a blessing it is to be in God's presence, in His place with His people, singing praise unto Him, for He is worthy. Uh, I love that song. He is the mountain-moving God. How many of you know we all face mountains in our lives sometimes? Each and every one of us. Sometimes it's mountains of doubt, discouragement, uh, depression. Uh, sometimes we have mountains in our family, mountains even at church from time to time, mountains at our workplace, mountains in our life. But God is able to overcome. Um, we are able to overcome through His power any mountain that we face. And today I am so very thankful for that. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at four verses this morning. I do want to wish all of our fathers a happy Father's Day. And this morning I believe the Father knows best when He knows truth. If you believe that, say amen. Now watch what the Bible says. This is God's truth unto us. Ephesians 6, starting with the first verse. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, watch this now, for this is right. Uh, children, if you want to do the right thing, you need to obey your parents. Obey is the action. Amen? The action that you should be doing. Then he says something in verse 2 that we also need to take note of. Then he says, honor thy father and thy mother. Honor is the attitude. Now, how many of you know you cannot perform the action until you have the right attitude? If you have the attitude of honoring your father and your mother then you will perform the right action of obeying your father and mother. And the Bible teaches that when you choose to obey your godly mother and father, listen to me, you can expect God's blessing. With obedience comes blessing. When you do it God's way, you can expect God's blessing. Now, I think that's what the Bible is teaching. He says, which is the first commandment with promise. He says in verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. That's an awesome promise. I mean, if you want to see what God's Word says, it says to us right here that if we honor and obey our parents, we can expect a longer life. What a blessing that is. Look at verse number 5. Excuse me, verse number 4. And ye fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath. Then he says in the next part of this, but bring them up. Everybody say, bring them up. That's what we're going to talk about today, bringing them up. What's it mean to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. You are so good to us. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. I am so thankful this morning for the fathers that are in this building. I'm thankful, Lord, that they are here today under the preaching and teaching of your word so that we might grow to be what you want us to be. Father, so that me might walk in your power and, Father, make a difference in our families' lives, um, even starting right here this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the tools in your word to be successful as a father. We know best when we know your truth and apply it to our life. We ask you, Lord, today that you do just that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Um, years ago, I was pastoring a different church, and it was on a Father's Day, and I was on my way to the pulpit that morning to preach the Father's Day message that the Lord had placed upon my heart. And as I was walking up the center aisle, there was a, a brother in Christ sitting to my right. And um, dear brother, love him dearly, still love him dearly. Uh, and he, he called me over to himself. And I walked over to where he was. And he said, Brother Ezra, I just wanted you to know today I've got my steel-toed boots on. And I said, you do? 
I said, well, why do you got your steel-toed boots on? He said, well, I come in here on a Mother's Day and you uh, preach this glorious, encouraging message about how great it is that God has given us mothers and what a blessing motherhood is. And he said, I just leave here thinking, man, it must be great for these women who have been blessed to be mothers. He said, then I come in here on Father's Day and uh, I know you're fixing to give it to me with both barrels. He said... So what I do, I put my steel-toed boots on because I know you're going to step on my toes. Now listen to me, guys. I'll promise you this this morning. My intention is not to step on your toes to hurt you. My intention is to speak to your heart and help you. Now, why do we need help? All of us need help. Let me tell you why. There are no perfect fathers. Can you say amen to that? I had a great father. I'm so thankful for him. Brother Johnny, this morning during our, before Sunday school in our devotion time, he spoke about his father. I'm thankful for godly fathers. But you know what? Even though I had a great, a godly father, uh, a father that I'm so proud of, he wasn't a perfect father. None of us are. My point is this. We all still have growing room. So again, my intention is not to step on your toe and hurt you. It's to speak to your heart and help you. And so I want to tell you, fathers, what I spoke to that gentleman that day. It's time we suck it up. Amen. Hey, listen, we're the men of God, saved by God for a purpose. And it's time we start walking in His power so that we might be effective in the greatest job He's given us, which is to raise our children. It's time that, that, that we allow God to work in us and work through us in such a way that, listen, we are effective daily in pointing others to Jesus. The, the stakes are too high. We've waited far too long. Our world is in a mess. Can you say amen to that? Let, let me say this. Satan is after our children. Satan realizes probably better than anyone else that the children of today will lead the world tomorrow. He realizes that if we, he can impact children's lives today, if he can destroy children today, then, then he's already got tomorrow taken care of. So Satan is after our kids. The leading cause of death among teenagers today is suicide. Do you know that 63% of those who commit suicide as a teenager do not have a father in the home or have a bad relationship with their father? Do you know that Planned Parenthood has started a movement to distribute uh, birth control to students in the 6th grade? Now I want you to think about that, dads. That's kids that are 11 years old. Do you know that 70% of all prisoners either came from fatherless homes or had a bad relationship with their father? Do you know that 80% of all rapists come from fatherless homes? Do you know that 71% of all high school dropouts didn't have a father in the home? And you say, brothers, what are you saying? Are you saying that, if the, that uh, the, the reason these people became racist or the reason these people uh, did all these things that you're talking about was because they didn't have a father? I'm saying, listen to me, the absence of the father in the home it directly by the statistics that we have show us it negatively influences the child and the truth is a lot of times fathers in the home they're there but they ain't there they're there but they're not really taking part in their children's lives and they miss out on one of the greatest ministries we have the stakes are high 
There's a lot of things that I have failed at, but if there's one thing I certainly don't want to fail at, it's being a godly father. I'm telling you, it means something. It's powerful. October the 29th of 2003, at about 7 o'clock in the evening, I became a father for the first time. And I, that, that excited me then, and I'm still excited about it now. I, I told Anna Kate last night that I was jacked up about being her dad. She said, Dad, don't say that. <laughs> I'm not cool enough to say jacked up anymore. I'll use excited. I'm excited about being a father still today. My life was forever changed that night. Changed for the better. <laughs> it really was. I, I held that baby girl in my arms for the first time, and instantly I fell in love with her. Head over heels. And it hadn't changed. I still am. As I am with all my kids. Love them dearly with all my heart. But I also call that what, what I like to call a two before moment. It's one of the moments when God takes that two before and hits you right between the eyes with it. Because I realize now it wasn't all about me anymore. I realized now, listen, I have a responsibility to protect that child to provide for that child, to, to ultimately teach that baby what it means to follow Christ. And that's a big deal. And so even though I was so excited and man overjoyed and still am, I'm also scared to death. And, and the truth is I still get scared to death because how many of you know parenting's hard? Parenting's hard a lot of times just because of kids. Parenting would be great if you didn't have kids. But man, I'm telling you, you throw them kids in, everything changes. And it's hard a lot of times because they just won't listen. They hear, but they don't listen. Are you getting me, parents? Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I got a little girl, a little Lily Grace, about two, maybe three years ago. She had a little bitty thing. If y'all remember, when we first came here, she had a big afro, curly hair, just fly out everywhere. And that's how she was. She had that big curly hair just bouncing everywhere, big blue eyes um, I walked in on a Sunday morning, one Sunday morning, and her and her mother was getting ready in the bathroom, and um, I, I was gently as possible trying to hurry them along so that we could get to church. I didn't want to sit out in the yard and honk the holy horn, amen? <laughs> so I came inside and tried to hustle them up a little bit. So I walked into the bathroom, and I said, hustle up, guys. Come on, let's hurry. We get, we're going to be late. We've got to go. And I waited another five, ten minutes. I go back. Hustle up, guys. Come on. We got to go. Eddie Grace, them big blue eyes, looked at me and said, Daddy, who's Herschel? <laughs> she heard, but she didn't listen. Sometimes you hear, but you don't listen. And that makes it tough because we love you. And we want what's best for you. Parenting is tough. Kind of like the Peace Corps. It's the toughest job you'll ever love. I absolutely love it, but it's tough. It's, it's hard. You have to do the hard thing. You have to sometimes do the hard things that are very unpopular to the ones you love the most. Amen? Sometimes you've got to say no to what everybody else is doing because it don't meet the standard that you try to uphold in your home. Sometimes you've got to turn off the television that everybody else is watching because it, it is bringing things into your home that you know don't need to be there. It's tough. We need God's help. We need God's truth. Again, I believe Father knows best when He knows the truth. So let's get into the truth 
of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter number 6. And let's look down at verse number 4. And I'm just going to pull out three or four things here that I think is needful. First of all, he says, and ye fathers. He directs this verse to the Father. If you notice, mothers are not mentioned in this verse. Is that because mothers are not important? Absolutely not. Mothers have a high and lofty place in a child's life. Mothers have a high and lofty place in the home. But he directs this message to fathers for a reason. Because Paul realizes, men, what we've got to realize. Listen, we are called by God to be the spiritual head of our household. Ephesians chapter 5, go back over there with me. Verse number 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. I didn't say that. God says that. Guys, God has given us the responsibility, the awesome responsibility of being the spiritual leaders in our home. Now what does that mean? What does that look like? That means I've become the pastor in my household. I am the one who leads my flock to Jesus. Amen? we got to realize that comes with two things. With headship comes responsibility. I'm responsible for leading them to Christ, for being that pastor in the home. But also headship also has to do with accountability. Dad, do you know one day I'm going to stand before Jesus and give an account for how I led my family? And the truth is this. All of us are leading our family. We're either leading them to Jesus or we're leading them away from Jesus. Do you know how important the leadership of a father is? Statistics tell us that when a mother accepts Christ and starts going to church, 17% of the time their family follow her. Do you know when a father accepts Jesus and starts coming to church, 93% of the time their family follow that father? Why? Because of headship that was ordained by God. You have influence over the most important people to you in your life. That's why it's such a great ministry and a great joy. Amen? That's also why it's very scary. So we got to realize it's up to us to teach our children about Jesus. It's up to us to make sure our kids are in church. It's up to us to make sure, listen, they are faithful to the things of God. I want to say this to you. If you believe church to be optional, dads, don't be surprised when your kids feel Jesus to be unnecessary. When you get to the place where, listen, I'll come to church as long as it don't influence anything else I really want to do, believe you me, not only does that influence you, that influences those that you have headship over. And then you stop leading them to Jesus, you lead them from Jesus. Why do we have all that we have right here at the church? Because we believe in the power of the Word of God. Why do we have Sunday school to disciple believers to become like Jesus? Why do we have worship service to lift up Jesus? Can you say amen? amen. Why do we have discipleship training to disciple others to become like Christ? Why do we have Sunday night worship so that we might lift up Christ and all men be drawn to Him? Why do we have Wednesday night Bible study? I'll tell you why. So we can get in the Word of God, apply it to our lives and be changed to be what God wants us to be. It makes a difference when you do it God's way. You've got to make the decision, fathers, to get your kids to church. It's not mama's responsibility. It's not. I fear what happens so many times. We've got 
great women of God who love Jesus with all their heart. And sometimes it becomes easier for the father to sit back and allow the mama to do all the hard things. It becomes easier for the father to sit back and allow mama to get the family up for church on Sunday morning. Dads, let me challenge you to do this. Be the first ones up Sunday morning. Getting yourself ready. Helping you get them babies ready. And get them to the house of God. You be the one who gets people out of bed. You be the one who is ready to be where God wants you to be and where you need to be for your family. You be that spiritual head. He spoke to fathers and then he gave, gives us some, some very good advice. He says, provoke not. Now that word provoke, um, I love how the amplified version puts it. Let me read that to you. He says, provoke your children, provoke not your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment. The word exasperate means to irritate intensely. Don't irritate your children and, and, and listen, infuriate them to the point that you lose all credibility in their life. Because that can happen and that does happen. You say, Brother, how does that happen? How does that take place? Well, let me give you five ways. First of all, if you create sibling rivalry in your home, you will provoke your children to wrath. What I mean by sibling rivalry, when you start preferring one child over another, when you make it all about one child and forget the others, when we do that, not only does it hinder your relationship with that child, but it will greatly hinder the relationship with that child and the other siblings. You don't believe me? Go back and look in the Word of God with the children of Israel, the children of Jacob. There were 12 of them. He preferred one over all the others. He created sibling rivalry with Joseph when he gave him the coat of many colors. And what happened? The brothers hated Joseph so bad they tried to kill him. Then they sold him into slavery. It tore that family apart. And when we choose to do that in our lives today, it'll still tear your family apart. Be very careful of that. All my kids are different. Isn't it amazing? Moms and dads, how you can make me raised in the same house, taught the same thing, eat the same food, do all the same things, and be so completely different, but they are. They're individuals with different likes and dislikes. They're different, but love them the same. Let me tell you something about you, how you can provoke your children to wrath. Compare them to the kid down the street or their friends at school or someone else. Why couldn't you be more like so-and-so? I mean, they're making straight A's. Why can't you make straight A's? They're doing well on the ball team. Why can't you do well on the ball team? Listen to me. Again, they are individuals. Don't compare them to others. Find where their strong points are and listen, push them in that direction. Amen? Encourage them when they do right. Correct them when they do wrong. So very important. Don't compare them to others. Let them be who they are. Let me tell you another way. You live your life through them. That'll provoke your children to wrath. That'll cause them to resent you and resent your relationship. And a lot of times we try to compare our kids to who we were at their age. But the only problem with that is sometimes we have a warped sense of who we were at their age. 
Sometimes we look back and we see things a lot bigger or a lot greater than what they actually were. You've heard people talk about the good old days, ain't you? What's so good about the good old days? Not a whole lot. I think it's a lot better now. It's kind of like the fishing stories. You go fishing on Saturday and you come back and your wife says, Hey, did you do any good? Well, I caught a little old fish. He's about this long. Had a good time. Go to work on Monday. Or no, let's, let's, let's back up. We go to church on Sunday. Hey, guys, I went uh, fishing yesterday. How'd it go? Well, been great, man. I caught a pretty good fish. You're just about this long. We go to work on Monday. How'd it go this weekend? Man, I had a great weekend. Went fishing Saturday. Went to church on Sunday. How'd you do fishing? I did fantastic. Man, I caught a wall hanger. He's about this long. And it keeps big, getting bigger the many times we tell it. And sometimes that's how we do. I tell you what, man, back in the day, I was the one who was knocking people's heads off on the football field. You ought to seen me, son. I mean, daddy really knew how to do it. I tell you what, back in the day, they used to call me the slugger, man. I was knocking home runs. You ought to seen me. It was awesome. The truth is, none of us are Michael Jordan. Brett Favre, none of us are really as good as how we remember ourselves because of pride. Amen? So let's not try and compare our kids to a warped sense of who we were or try to live our lives through them. For when you do, you'll provoke them to anger. Man, it gets quiet in here. Y'all listen to me. Always blame them and never praise them. That'll provoke them to anger. Go out of your way to find something good they do. They do plenty bad. I know that. Mine do too. I'm not one of these parents who think my kids never do no wrong. I know who their father is. I know where they came from. They do wrong just like everybody else. But go out of your way to find ways to encourage and not to continually blame them all the time. When you always blame them for everything, listen to me, then they're going to get to the point where they, they think, well, what's the use? Why try to do any better? I'm never encouraged anyway. Make promises that you don't keep. That'll provoke them to anger. Now, folks, let me say this to you. There's a lot of times you want to do things and you try to do things and you tell your kids you're going to do things and things just don't work out. That happens. But make that less than more. Don't make that the norm. Make that the exception. If you tell them you're going to do something, do the best you can to do it. Amen? Makes a difference. Don't provoke them. But then he says bring them up. What does it mean to bring them up? Well, it means to raise the children, to rear your children. My grandmother had a great way of saying things. I love my grandma. She would see a child that was disrespectful to their parents. She'd see a child that was just running wild and wouldn't listen to nobody. And she'd say, I'll tell you what, that right there ain't never had no raising. You ever heard that? Now I want to tell you, that's what he's talking about here. Bringing them up, raising them up. I never want anybody to say of my kids, they ain't got no raising. How about you dads? We don't want that, do we? No. We want them to bring blessing to our home. We want them to bring honor to God. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, when you get a hold of this truth. See, what Paul is trying to do right here in this verse is teach us how to raise them up. 
Teach us how to bring them up. He's given us truth here that we can all get a hold of. Father knows best when he knows truth. He says, bring them up. Watch this. In the nurture. What does nurture mean? It's to share love and encouragement. Build them up and don't always tear them down. We've talked about that a little bit already. See, what I really think he's talking about is, first of all, directing them. What do I mean by directing them? I'm talking about teaching them. You know that your child came here a sinner with a sinful nature? When, when did you first start figuring that out? I mean, it didn't take long for me. When they got up big enough to crawl and to, and, and to get around the house, i never forget my little girl. I've told you this before probably, but it's, it's a good memory. It's a, something that really speaks to me. I, we had a little, little dog named Bubbles, a little uh, inside dog. And uh, just as pretty she could be, hairy, and uh, just a little fluff ball. And she'd be out running around the house, and Anna Kate just got big enough to crawl. Anna Kate would be crawling all the way around, all over the floor there. And she'd go up and get next to Bubbles, and the dog was, would just lick her all over, you know. She, she loved the baby. And so Anna Kate would get up to where the dog was, and she'd take that dog with both, with a, a, an ear in each hand, and she'd see how far she could fit that dog's head in her mouth. And I'd say, no, honey, don't do that. And I'd go over and I'd spat a little hand. I'd say, don't, don't do that to Bubbles. Leave Bubbles alone. And it, it wouldn't be five minutes. She'd whimper a little bit. You know, she'd cry because I'd make her stop. Wouldn't be five minutes. She'd be right back over at Bubbles with an ear in each hand trying to get that head in her mouth. I'd go over, no, baby, don't do that. And then I got to noticing something. She'd be watching. She'd look up at me. Then she'd grab an ear in each hand. And why was she doing that? Even at that early age, she knew what I was telling her was right. Or at least she knew her doing what she was doing was wrong. Because I'd already corrected her. Even at that young age. And she was looking at me and going to see how far she could take it. Now what is that? Well, that's the sinful nature cropping out in them. Amen? Now, let me tell you this. If they are not taught, if they are not directed, if they are left to themselves, to the ways of the world, your children and my children will never be pleasing to God. They will keep following after the way of sin. Listen to what James MacArthur said concerning teaching our kids. Our mission as fathers, as parents, is to raise children that bring um, honor, blessing to our family and ultimately glory to God. A child left to the vices... Um, and attitudes of this world, they will grow up to break their parents' heart rather than bring joy. That's the truth. They have to be taught. I want to give you ten ways to cause your child to be a tragic child. First of all, you spoil him and give him everything he wants. If you can or you can't afford it. Do that. And I can promise you this. Your child will be tragic. You may nag him, but never spank him, never correct him. Fast, uh, foster total dependence on you so they believe they can't do nothing without you. Protect him from your husband and all those mean teachers that threaten to correct them from time to time. Make all of his decisions for him because he might make mistakes and learn from them if you don't. Criticize his father openly so your child loses the meaning of respect and confidence. Listen to this one. I like this one. Always bail him out of trouble so he will like you that way. He does not learn there are consequences for his actions. Always step in and solve this, his or her problems. Um, so when they are older, they will not understand what it means to do the right thing. 
Give him a big allowance and never make him work for it. That way we always feel like the world owes him something. (laughs) Never give him any chores or work around the house. That way he knows all things come for nothing. We got to teach our children what's right and what's wrong. What do we teach them? Well, we teach them the standard of the Word of God. We teach them that God says there's certain things we shouldn't do and we shouldn't do them. That's why Sunday school is important. That's why preaching is important. That's why getting them under the sound preaching and teaching the Word of God is so vitally important for your family. We teach them there's a standard of what's right. There's a standard of what's wrong. We ought to do what God says we should do, but we shouldn't do what God says we shouldn't do. We teach them what's right. We teach them what's wrong. Let me tell you this. We teach them what's good, and we teach them what's best. You say, brother, what do you mean by that? What's good and what's best? Well, there's a lot of good things you can teach your kids, like responsibility. Being responsible for what they do. Respect. Hey, you can teach your kids those in many different ways. Making a chore chart and saying, you know what? We're going to do these chores. If you do these chores, we're going to give you allowance. Because when you work hard, you're rewarded for it. They need to learn that. Hey, it's, it's when your kids um, sign up for the baseball team or the basketball team or the football team, whatever team. And in the middle of the season, things get tough and they ain't liking how it's going because it's hot outside and they're out there having to practice. And they come in and say, Mom and Daddy, I'm ready to quit. I'm not going to practice. Nope. We don't do that at the house. Let me tell you why. Because later on in life, things are going to get tough. There'll be times at their job later on in life, guess what's going to happen? It's going to get tough. They ain't going to like it. They ain't going to want to be there, but you can't quit then. They need to learn that now. There'll be times in their marriage when things get tough and they'll be ready to quit. But they've got to know, no, I can't quit. I've got to stick it out. I've made a commitment. I'm responsible. I respect others. Nothing wrong with teaching the kids yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Yes, sir, no, sir. That's good stuff. Let me say this. Ain't nothing wrong with you teaching your kids how to swing a bat or catch a ball or hit a ball. Nothing wrong with that stuff. I want you to do that stuff. You need to do that stuff. Spend time with them. You know how kids spell time? Or excuse me, spell love? T-I-M-E. The more time you put into them, that's fantastic. Keep doing those things. But let me say this. If I can teach my son how to hit a ball or catch a ball or or tackle somebody, if I teach him how to do those things, but I don't teach him about Jesus, then I've missed the whole point. If I teach them how to be a part of a team, but I don't teach them what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, I've missed it all. Don't, don't, listen, um, Help me. (laughs) Don't switch out good stuff for the best stuff. Are you getting me? We teach them. We direct them. But let me tell you something else. We discipline them. The word nurture also carries with it discipline. There's no doubt about it. Oh, here it comes. I know brother's going to get to this point. We need to spank our kids. Yes, you do. I'm going to have somebody come to me and they're going to say something like, uh, spanking's outdated and Dr. Spock says that, um, you know that Dr. Spock had a 16-year-old son that committed suicide? I really don't know that I would be getting parental advice from Dr. Spock. 
Just saying. Uh, Brothers, I just think it's outdated. It's mean to do so. We shouldn't be doing that. Let me ask you this. When did truth get outdated? There's ways we do it and ways we don't do it. And nobody leave here and say, Brothers, I said I could beat my kids. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about correction. You hear me? A lot of people are going to say, I don't, I don't spank my kids. Well, I, you don't have to tell me that. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows it. They got to be corrected. Mine have to be corrected. I can remember my father saying something like this, son, it's going to hurt you, or excuse me, hurt me a whole lot worse. It's going to hurt. I'd say, daddy, you're lying. Ain't no way. That's impossible. Because I think he's killing me. No, dad, there's no way. But now that I'm a father, I see that's true. It does hurt me a whole lot worse than it hurts them. I hate to do it, but I know it must be done. They've got to be corrected. The Bible says so. Let me me share just a few verses with you and I'm done. Uh, Proverbs chapter number 3, verse number 11 and 12. Everybody turn over there with me. It says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. So this verse tells me that God himself chastens his children. Corrects, disciplines his children. I know that to be sure, to be, to be uh, true for me in my walk with Jesus. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. So God's word says that we should correct our children. How do we do that? Look at Proverbs chapter 19. Flip over there with me. Keep going. Proverbs 19, verse number 18. Chasten thou son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. I like that. What's he saying? Um, chastisement, if you're going to spank your children, it's better to do it when they're this big instead of trying to wait till they're this big. It's a whole lot more effective when you're doing it this big than it is when they're this big. Let me tell you this, it's a lot easier too. All right? So, So remember, do that when they're small, while there is hope. That's so important we see that. Proverbs 22, 15, check this out. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. What are we talking about? We're talking about discipline. Again, not abuse. And I'll give you the difference in a minute. We'll talk about the differences of of both of those. I'm talking about you correcting your children and putting them on the right path. Me doing the same with mine. It's not easy, but it must be done. Proverbs chapter 22. Turn over there with me. What happens if you don't do it? Check this out. Look down with me, please. Excuse me, I just read Proverbs 22. I apologize. Let's go on. So they must be disciplined. They must be trained. Let me give you three rules to discipline if you're going to do it right. Number one, never spank in anger. If you are angry, wait till you cool down. A lot of people's temper get them in trouble in a lot of different ways. If you've got a bad temper, wait. That's not the time to correct. Think about what's going on. Think about what's been done. 
I only spank my children when it's outright disobedience. When I directly say to them something and they um, spitefully choose not to do it. Right? I believe the punishment ought to fit the crime. You get me? So when they spitefully disobey what me and their mother are trying to teach them, what they're trying to tell them, then they've earned a spanking. Not that I just want to do it. They've earned it then. Then they need it. Never spank in anger. Never spank to injure, but to correct. When you spank to injure, that's abuse. When you're spanking to correct behavior, that's discipline. Spanking at an early age, we talked about this before, is more effective and it's easier. Start when they're young. I've come to find out as my kids have gotten older, a lot of times what helps more than anything else is taking away things they really like. You can do that too. But I'm telling you, do it. Discipline them. Train them. And then that last but not least, disciple them. How do we disciple? Well, we tell them what it means to follow Jesus. Amen? But then we teach them with our lives what it means to follow Jesus. Again, Dr. Rogers says it like this. He said, um, what we teach our kids is mostly caught, not taught. They see it in us. Let me say this, dads. Do as I say and not like I do, don't work. If they don't see it in you, if they don't see a difference in you, it don't matter what you tell them, they're not going to respect that. Matter of fact, they're going to rebel against that. Let me, let me give you another one. Don't take your kids to church or bring them to church. You come go with them. Come go with them. Be a part of service with them. And then when you leave the church, speak the same loving way at home as you're speaking at church. Put a smile on your face at home like you're smiling at church. Amen? They see that. And when they see the real thing, they want that. And then guess what you've done? You've discipled them to follow Jesus. If that's one thing my mother and daddy did for me, they made me want their faith. I mean, I'd leave church and see the same mom and daddy at home that I've seen at church. Wouldn't any difference. They just love Jesus and love people. And I wanted that because I've seen it was real. I've seen it made a difference in their lives. Listen, your kids want it too. My kids want it too. They need it. Isn't it great to be a parent? To be a father? Isn't it a joy? Absolutely. So thankful for the privilege. Great responsibility. But God is able. Are you perfect? Nope. You ever going to be? Nope. Am I perfect? No. Ever going to be? No. Am I still learning? Absolutely. I've come to find out. I, sometimes I want to apologize to my oldest because I, I, I feel like I'm a better parent now. She'll say to me, Dad, you let them do this or you don't let them do this and you didn't never do that for me. And I just have to say, Honey, I'm sorry. I'm a better parent now. I, <laughs> there was a learning curve with you. I, You know, we'll make up for it some way. But, I mean, a lot of it's trial and error, you know. 
didn't work. We've got to do something else. And I don't know what to do, but I'll try this. I mean, that don't happen. They don't come with instruction manuals. But I'll tell you this. We can get instruction from God's word that makes all the difference. Father knows best when the Father knows truth. Everybody stand together. This is your invitation. First and foremost, as always, do you know Jesus? Not do you know about Jesus, not have you signed a card and been through a bathroom. I'm talking about has he changed your heart? It's made a difference in your life. Do you know that you know you've been born again? If not, today's the day. If you have been born again, listen, are you where you need to be with Christ this morning? Fathers, are you following hard after Jesus so that your kids they want your faith. Do you want to just come pray for your children? Pray for your lost loved ones. Do you want to join this church? Some of you have been praying about it. You've been thinking about it. You know, you said, you know what? I believe this is where God wants me right here at Mount Zion. Fantastic. Let's do it. Let's do it. See, what I'm trying to tell you is this. If you don't know Jesus, come let us help you. And I'm going to share with you in the Word of God what it means to be born again. But if you do know Jesus, won't you come help us? Join this church and let's get involved. Whatever you need this morning, this invitation time is for you. You come.